Good morning, Walloon. How are you today? Balcony, you good up there? Everything smooth? Good. We uh, are in week number six in our journey through the Old Testament book of Judges. We've entitled it God to the Rescue, and we're going to see this week that Jehovah God once again sends a rescuer to save his chosen people, Israel, this time from the wicked grip, and I'm telling you, they were mean and evil people, the Midianites. Uh, We saw last Sunday, the Lord delights in using weak and insecure people. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Oh, Lord, thank you. Jesus specializes in using fearful, ordinary, plain people to accomplish his extraordinary plans. God uses a weak, insecure, fearful, ordinary man named Gideon, and uh, he is chosen to be God's judge, God's rescuer, to rescue his people. We learned last week from Judges chapter 6 that before the Lord could use Gideon, Gideon needed to come into a personal relationship with the Lord. And we argued last week that was actually an Old Testament appearance of Jesus with Gideon. Secondly, we saw that before Gideon was ready to go and rescue Israel, Gideon first needed to root out the sin, the idolatry in his own home. He needed to rescue his family before he was called to go and rescue Israel. Um, At the conclusion of Judges chapter 6, if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn there anyway? That's where we're headed. Uh, The Midianites and the Amalekites joined forces to destroy God's chosen people. Understand, they they want to wipe them out. Gideon asks for a sign from God. Just to make sure, Lord, just to make sure I didn't misunderstand, um, in case I got it wrong, um, would you do me a solid here, please, Jehovah God? I'm going to set out a piece of wool, a fleece, and I'm going to put it on the thrashing floor. Judges 6, verse 37. And if in the morning the fleece is wet, but the ground all around it is dry, I'll know this this is your hand at work in my life. And that's exactly what happens. And then Gideon says, Lord, just, just one more thing. Could you do me one more little sign, please, Lord? Um, if the fleece now I'm going to put out is dry, but the ground all around it is wet, I'd love that as the final sign that you're asking me to go to war against the Midianites. And sure enough, it's exactly as as Gideon had asked. Okay, Remember, the Lord has called Gideon an anxious, insecure, ordinary man to be his judge, his rescuer. And it just reminds me, just give me your eyes here, God still uses 2023 weak, powerless, ordinary, plain people to accomplish his extraordinary plans. Isn't that awesome? The Lord uses plain little old us to get his plans accomplished. 
Today we're in Judges chapter 7, and we're going to see today that from God's perspective, bigger isn't always better. I I think most of us would say, well, if it's bigger, uh, it's got to be better. No, bigger isn't necessarily better and badder. Uh, In God's economy, often less is more. In, In God's perspective, oftentimes less is best. We're going to see that this morning. The Lord's going to order Gideon to downsize, and having less for Gideon and his army is better and beneficial. So would you locate on your phones, in your Bibles, Judges chapter 7, where insecure Gideon is called by God Almighty to defeat a massive army. Okay, And they are facing certain annihilation if God doesn't come through. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read out loud together. The first eight verses, Judges chapter 7. This is God's book. Here we go. So, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harad. The armies of Midian were captured, camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful historical story that you've preserved for our benefit. Lord, I think there's lots of good stuff, powerful stuff, life-changing stuff here in your book that we in your church, we need it. So Lord, help us to pay attention, wake us up, help us to be alert. Lord, prevent us from thinking about everything happening this afternoon and tonight. And Lord, uh, we invite you now to come and, and speak and help us to hear you and listen to what you have to say. Re- recharge our spiritual batteries Refill our tanks, Lord. We welcome you 
to be king and lord today in your church. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one thankful voice, you can be seated. Gideon assembles an army. Uh, He's going to go to war against the Midianites. And if you do the math from verse 4, he begins with an army of 32,000 soldiers. Uh, Problem is this. Look at verse 2. The Lord tells Gideon, less is more, less is best in my economy. If you go and fight with 32,000 warriors, soldiers... 135,000 in the Midian army, we find it out from Judges 8.10, people will think, well, you just had better warriors. I know you're down four to one, but, but you were just fiercer fighters, and you were able to outmuscle and had superior skills to win the war over the Midianite army. So... The Lord tells Gideon, I want you to apply Deuteronomy 20 and verse 8. Here's what Deuteronomy 28 says. Is anyone here afraid or worried? (laughs) If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. Verse 3, so Gideon applies it. Hey, 32,000 soldiers, are any of you feeling timid? Are any of you feeling afraid? And 22,000 of them raised their hands. Yep, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling a bit timid right now. And, and 22,000 of them head back home. They're gone. They're leaving 10,000 soldiers in Gideon's shrinking army. Okay, so you're tracking with me? Okay, 135,000 in the Midianite a Malachite army. Gideon starts with 32,000 to begin with, 4 to 1 advantage. Now verse 3, 135,000 to 10,000, which means they're out-soldiered by more than 13 to 1. Verse 4, <laughs> the Lord says to Gideon, it's still too many, Gideon, still too many. I want you to take your army down to the spring and separate those who stay on their feet and bend down and drink from those who just lay down like a St. Bernard and, and lick from the stream. I want you to keep account who are the stand-up drinkers from who are the lay-on-their-belly drinkers. Uh, the Lord is going to distinguish the keepers from those who can go home. 9,700 of them lay down on their bellies and drink like a dog. Um, And some would say, well, he's separating the super alert ones from the slackers, okay? Um, I would argue, I don't think that's the lesson here. The enemy was not very far away, and the whole point of the story is verse 2. Look at it. Here's Here's the point. You have too many warriors with you, Gideon. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, you're going to boast to me that you saved yourselves with your own skills, with your own strength. The Lord wanted all of Israel to know. He wanted Gideon to know. 
He wants us to know this was God's victory. This had nothing to do with the fighting skills of the children of Israel. Okay, So the Lord whittles the army down to 10,000, and God in his all-knowing providence, he even knows which of the soldiers are going to lay down on their belly, 9,700 of them, and which of them are going to cup and drink uh, while they're standing. He knows exactly, and Gideon's army gets reduced to 300 men. Okay, so just pause for a moment. Uh, four to one against the Midianites is how they started, 135,000 to 32,000. Okay, then 135,000, 22,000 are afraid, go home. Now it's over 13 to one. Now it's 135,000 soldiers against 300. Okay, 450 Midianite soldiers for every soldier in Gideon's incredible shrinking army, okay? Most armies are bigger as better and badder. We're the best army. But here's what we need to remember in God's economy. Less is more. Often less is best. And that's exactly what we're about to see, okay? Because the Lord knew that he was dealing with a jumpy, insecure, weak leader in Gideon, I love this, Jehovah God says, you know what, Gideon, I'm going to give you some reassurance here. I'm going to reassure your insecure heart. Look at verse 9. Here we go. I'm not doing what I did last week. I'm looking carefully. Here we go. Uh, that night, the Lord said, uh, wait a second. Yeah, that night the Lord said, get up, Gideon. Go down to the Midianite camp, for I've given you victory over them. But if you're afraid to t- attack, Gideon, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you're going to be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and all the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Look at verse 13. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, you know what? I had this dream... And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, knocked it flat. His companion answered, you know what? Your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. This was the third outward sign that the Lord has given to Gideon. He said, I know you're insecure. I know you're afraid. I know you're weak and jumpy, but I want to encourage you into the battle. So he gave him fire, came out of the staff to consume the offering, Judges 6.21. Then he gave him the sign of the fleece, uh, being wet and then dry, Judges 6.37-40. 
And now he gives Gideon this dream. Okay? Barley was the grain normally used to feed the livestock. Normally at this time, biblical times, you would give barley to cows and sheep and goats. Only poor people would eat barley. It was the grain of the poor. So it makes sense to depict Israel, God's people, as being barley. They're the barley loaf. They've just suffered through seven years of famine and poverty. Okay? Here's, here's the part that's great. Okay, track with me. The Lord tells Gideon, sneak down into the Midianite camp. So Gideon brings his servant Pura, and they crept up to the edge of camp, and they happen by just the right tent by chance of 135,000 soldiers and then by pure luck they just happen to hear one of the soldiers wake up and tell his fellow soldier that the night before uh, he had this dream and they just happen to be there uh, good karma they had at the right moment and he explains the dream, and Gideon is going to win a victory and going to collapse the enemy army. All pure luck, right? That's just good chance, good fortune, good karma, I'm sure, right? <laughs> I hope some of you are squirming right now and say, what are you talking about, PJ? I, w- I want to just take a moment and say loud and clear, there are no accidents no coincidences, there's no luck in the life of a follower of Jesus. There's none. There's no, I don't believe in good luck or good karma or bad luck or bad karma. If you know Jesus Christ, there is none of that. That's why every time I hear a follower of Jesus say, well, I was just lucky, I, I, I just got lucky, and I'm thinking, no, that's not true. Even when followers of Jesus have four eye surgeries, followed by the following year uh, having a heart triple bypass, well, bad karma, PJ. You're just having bad luck. Here's what I would say. Give me your eyes. No, the God of the Bible is working all things out for good for those who love him. Do you believe that? Yeah. He's called us according to his purpose. He foreknew us in advance. He chose us to become like his son, Jesus. And he's called us and he gave us the right standing and his glory. That's the truth according to God's word. What happened to me, what happens to you, what happened to Gideon here wasn't good luck or good karma or just by chance. Are you ready? It was God's working in Gideon's life and in his chosen people's life. It's God's working in my life and in your life. We need to quit attributing the work of God to fate or luck or karma or coincidence. I would just get rid of those words in your vocabulary because as a follower of Jesus, it's just not there. Jesus is the God of the universe. Okay? Put it up here so you see it. And Jesus holds all of creation together. And he's the creator of everything in the cosmos. Then as children, we need to acknowledge him 
and we need to give him credit and glory and honor in all things. Everything. Even the stuff we don't like that's going on. Lord, you're in charge, and you know what you're doing, and you're going to take even the bad stuff and work it out for good. Maybe especially the bad stuff is where we're challenged. No such thing as luck. This is God's hand at work in Gideon's life. Back to the text. Gideon responds to this dream. He and Pura hear the meaning of the dream. You know what? Uh, you are going to defeat this giant army. Look at verse 15. I love it. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, Gideon bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given us victory over the Midianite hordes. Okay? Gideon sees God's work at work in his life. He's now convinced, but before he heads to battle, just notice, he stops everything and he bows down and he worships the Lord as God. He, he's, he's worshiping the Lord and saying, thank you, Lord, you're so good to weak, plain, fearful, insecure me. And he bows and he worships the Lord. And he just says, thank you, thank you, Lord, for showing me clearly that we're going to win, okay? Here's, here's the application. When we ask the Lord, and we ask a lot, oh, Lord, help. When the Lord answers, just take some time to bow down and worship Him. We're so blessed, are we not? We are the most blessed people on planet Earth. In every way, more blessing than we could ever even count when the Lord answers and he comes through, rather than just saying, thanks, Lord, get down on your knees and thank him. Praise him. Before you go into battle, before you head to work, before you go to school, before you're going to spend time with family, pause and bow down and worship the Lord. Follow Gideon's lead here. I love it. Okay. Now, Gideon's fully convinced that God's with him. Gideon is fully convinced God is with him, he's all in, and now he's going to go strong and confident in the power of the Lord and watch as Gideon gives his soldiers really strange instructions. Look at verse 16 with me. Here we go. Uh, Gideon divided the 300 men into three groups and he gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eye on me. And when I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. And as soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too. All around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. <laughs> it was just after midnight. After the changing of the guard, everybody's sleepy, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns, broke their clay jars, then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars, and they held the blazing torches in their left hands, 
and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted. What did they shout? A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic as they ran to escape. Wow. Did you see the battle plan? Here for, here's, here's what the Lord says. Okay, Gideon, you're outnumbered 450 to 1. So I'm going to have you break out the nuclear weapons. I'm going to send in the drones and the attack fighters and the M1 tanks, um, and it's going to be amazing. Watch. That's not what he, what he does, does he? The Lord says, no, I got this plan for you, you and your 300 men. Give them each a trumpet, a ram's horn. Give them each a clay pot and a torch and have them get their voices warmed up, ready to shout. Ah, get ready to shout. Okay, so the plan, get in three groups, a hundred each, gather around the enemy camp, have all 300 horns blow at once, break your clay pots, hold up your, your torch, and shout with gusto a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Okay, so, so basically, here's God's plan for Gideon and 300. Make a lot of noise in the middle of the night, and God will give you victory. <laughs> Make a lot of noise, okay? So Gideon didn't argue with God's plan. It didn't matter to him that from our human perspective, this, this could have gone very wrong. He didn't argue. He didn't say, this is a weak plan, Lord. Uh, it's kind of sketchy from my perspective. Gideon's ready to go and act. And he goes to battle, 135,000 to 300. Go back to the text, verse 22. And when the 300 Israelites blew their horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Bathsheba, near Zira, to the border of Abel Maloa, near Tabith. Then Gideon sent for warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, joined in the chasing of the army of Gideon. Gideon also sent messengers through the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. <laughs> the Lord caused the Midianite army to turn on each other in panic, slaughtering one another. Okay? The Midianite army, this massive army, they surrounded at midnight Normally, there was only one trumpeter per company. Okay, Understand, normally you had one torchbearer per company, but hearing 300 horns blowing at once, they thought they were surrounded by a massive army. They saw all of the torches. They heard the shouting. The Lord used mayhem and confusion to literally bring victory, a 135,000-man army is in chaos, and the Lord 
brought an awesome victory to weak, insecure, fearful, plain rescuer named Gideon. His, his victory was great. The rest of the tribes of Israel then joined the battle. Once the enemy's on the run, all of Israel is involved in securing the peace for God's chosen people for the next 40 years. There's going to be peace in, in God's land. Okay? Bigger isn't always better and badder. It isn't. Often, in God's economy, in, in God's perspective, less is more. Less is often best. It really is. Now, I want to close this morning by looking at the strange weapons that Gideon and his 300-man army used. Okay? And I just want you to think with me for just a moment, Lord, why the strange weapons? Why, why send them into a war zone with a trumpet, a torch, a clay pitcher, and a shouting voice? Nothing that even remotely resembles something to do battle with 135,000 armed enemy soldiers. Okay, Nothing that can kill, nothing that can hurt, nothing that can harm a Midianite. Yet God knew <laughs> these strange weapons were exactly the weapons to wage war and bring victory to Gideon and his 300-man army. If you have your Bible or your phone, I want you to go to the New Testament with me. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you please? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, because I want you to understand uh, General Jesus is still calling his followers, the Christian army, if you will, he calls us to fight with strange weapons today. Just as strange as torches and trumpets and pitchers and shouting. Here's what 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 6, Dan will put it up here for us. It says this, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Talking to the church at Corinth, to the church at Walloon. Okay? We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We're called as followers of General Jesus. We don't fight today with guns or knives or swords or grenades or drones or fighter jets or tanks. Those are worldly weapons. Those are weapons of this fallen world. We're called to fight with spiritual weapons. I want you to pay attention. Listen close. We're called daily to put on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 19. We're called to take the sword of the Spirit. Anybody know what the sword of the Spirit, which is what? 
which is the Word of God, which is the Bible, and we are to go to the armory, God's book, and we're to locate the right sword, the right rima from the armory for just the right time. So you're going to have to learn to know the armory and how to find the right sword at the right time. We're called to daily get filled with Jesus Christ and His Spirit. The same Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives here. And every day we're called to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We fight on our knees, praying without ceasing. We stay clean. Our weapon is staying clean and in right relationship with our King, with our General. And when I fall, and now I'm in the mud and the manure, I don't just lay there. I quickly get up, do the U-turn, run to Jesus, confess it as sin, and get clean, and back in right relationship with King Jesus. We fight in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus our King. We fight. What he's talking about, he says, we're not involved in a power encounter in our war. We are involved in a truth encounter. Do you understand? We're, we, didn't, we are to know God's truth, and we're to know what the armory, the book says, and ready to pull out the right sword at the right time. Christian soldiers, give me your eyes. We have the responsibility to learn how to daily walk with Jesus. And if you don't know how to daily walk with Jesus, if you don't know how to get connected to Him, if you don't know how to be filled with the power of Christ's Spirit in us, if you've not been discipled, then you're not living an obedient life. Matthew 28, listen, it says, Go, make disciples... Baptize. How many of you have been baptized? Can I see your hand? Okay. That's usually where we stop. And, and it doesn't stop. You go to Matthew, it says, Baptize and teach them to obey. That's what we're talking about. It's that last part. Teach, disciple one another so they can obey, so they know how to walk with King Jesus. I'm telling you. The war is heating up. The battles, I believe, are getting more intense. The fiery darts, the flaming arrows of our enemy, I've never seen as much opposition as I have in recent years. The, the enemy's fighting, he's lighting fires, he's doing everything he can to discourage followers of Christ, to cause doubt in the camp. Give me your eyes. Walk close with the good shepherd, my friend. That, that, that God that was with Gideon, guess what? He's with us today. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Choose obedience. Learn how to obey. Learn how to find the right sword at the right time filled with the power of Jesus Christ. I have great news. You know what? Gideon's army... 300 against 135,000. 
Some of us today, you know what? We feel just like that. We feel like we're surrounded by a swarm of enemies, feeling like you're outnumbered, outgunned. Here's what you need to recall and believe, okay? In God's economy, bigger isn't better. In God's economy, I'm telling you, oftentimes less is more. Less is best. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all the details that you give us of Gideon as he fights your battle. Thank you, Lord, that you don't need awesome swarms of people to accomplish your plans. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to kick out our crutches and cut down our safety nets and tear down our carefully built scaffolding. Because truthfully, Lord, all we need is you, your son Jesus, and your word and your spirit. That's all we need. So drain our pride, Lord, we ask. I pray for the army here. I pray for the army watching online. Would you determine and set our hearts and our minds to learn how to obey you? How to walk with your son, to daily get clean when we fall and mess up, to learn how to confess and get back in right relationship, to learn how to put on our armor, Lord, to learn how to get filled and stay filled with your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking, Lord, you to unleash a holy hunger to grow and walk closely to your son, Jesus. And Lord, I never want to assume that everyone here this morning, I don't want to ever assume, presume that everyone watching online knows your son personally as Savior and Lord. Might be some here watching who are curious and interested and even familiar with Jesus, but they've never said, yes, Jesus, I believe, I receive, I welcome you to come and take charge of my life. Right now, you need to know, new life in Jesus Christ begins with the gospel facts. And they have to be believed for you. Mama can't do it for you. Grandma and grandpa can't do it for you. Aunt or uncle, only you can do this for you. Jesus, I believe you are the sinless lamb of God. And Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. And Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a great sinner. And Jesus, I believe you took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I believe you didn't stay dead, but early Sunday morning you arose victoriously alive for me. That's the belief part. And now, Jesus, I hear you knocking at the door to my life, and I open the door. I believe. I receive you. I, I welcome you in, Jesus. Come be my Savior, my Lord, my King. I'm ready to follow you. 
no turning back. If you made that choice today by faith, if you're here in person, make your way over to the prayer corner. We'd love to celebrate with you, help you get off to a good start. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button right now. We'll have a personal chat with you, and we'll celebrate with you too and help you get off in your journey with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you and just one of us are a majority. You and tiny groups of people are always the majority. You're awesome. We're grateful to be your kids. We're grateful to celebrate you together as a church family. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things.